Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we have another one of our own as a guest on the show today. We brought on James Wright, who is the editor of The Advocate online magazine here at GSA. Uh, he's been doing it for about seven years and just has some really interesting stuff to say about the evolution of the media landscape here within the seafood industry. So uh, it's a pretty cool conversation. If you've never really thought about, you know, the ins and outs of journalism within an industry like this, I think you'd, it'll be pretty enlightening and you you just find something interesting about it. So before we get into that, please remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you can get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact us for any reason, you want to be a sponsor, you have content suggestions, or you want to be a guest, fill out our online form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. That's right. And of course, as we always say, we would really appreciate it if you could take the time to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out. And we are really grateful for everyone who has already done that. With that, please enjoy this conversation we had with Jamie and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down with the editor of The Advocate, James Wright, who this is weird because we all sit next to each other all day anyway but we just changed rooms so we have the microphones. But Jamie is the the head honcho behind the online magazine that we have here at GSA called The Advocate, and uh, we're going to talk about some pretty interesting stuff uh, regarding the media in the seafood industry. But first, uh, let's get to know Jamie. So Jamie, give us a little background kind of how you got into this, because you, you're another one that didn't plan on being in seafood, right? <laughs> so, yeah. so tell us how you ended up. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, well, it, yeah, I'm a journalist. So I went to journalism school at the University of Maine and went into newspapers immediately after that. And that's where I, f I always figured my future was. That's what I always wanted. And after two years of that, oh, exactly, I realized that was no longer what I, <laughs> what I wanted. Uh, the, uh, the hours were really late. The pay was really low. And, uh, you know, it was... High stress, I imagine. Yeah, it can be. Yeah. Um, you know, especially, you know, if you're... The end of your day is the most stressful every day. That yeah. that, that was a little bit uh, wearing. Mm. So you know, I really liked what the nature of the work, and I wanted to do something along those lines just during daytime hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Working three to midnight was not Ugh, not my awful. not my favorite. Sounds awful. Yeah. So I did. I worked in newspapers for two years, and then um, decided to. Yeah, just uh, I, I just couldn't really do the poverty thing anymore. So <laughs> I uh, actually went to took a couple months off to hike the Appalachian Trail a little bit with an old friend, and after that, I was really in need of a job. So I phoned in a favor to uh, my my cousin and just asked him, "Hey, you got you any friends?" I know he was a business guy; he had lots of jobs, really well connected. So I said, "Hey, you got any leads on anything? Help me out here." And he uh, helped hooked me up with a friend that worked at CFAX. It's a uh, credit reporting company in, uh, it was in Portland at the time. It's in Cumberland, Maine now. And uh, yeah, that at, at CFAX, they had a, uh, a tech new, t new technology that they were developing called gofish.com, a new website. Mm -hmm. It was a 
platform to do all sorts of e-commerce and uh, online auctions and had a news component. And they asked me to join. What, so what year that was, was that? That was May of 2000, I think. Okay. So that began my career in seafood journalism. And you never slowed down. <laughs> <laughs> I did take a little, a few years. I worked as a, as a, you know, in marketing and sales for Brown Trading Company, a seafood company in Portland. And I learned a lot there. Mm-hmm. You know, hands-on experience, mm-hmm. working, with, you know, touching the product, seeing it, hearing about it, you know, from the, you know, really high-end clientele. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I missed this opportunity to, like, give a shout-out to Rod Mitchell and Luke Myers. So Rod was the, you know, the president of the company and um, really knowledgeable guy in the main seafood industry. Likes to take credit for, uh, take, you know, naming things. I, I'm not so <laughs> sure if he actually claimed to have given the market name for something called Peaky Toe Crab Meat. Um, Oh, yeah, give it a nice, simple name. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Rod, Rod, Rod is a fascinating guy, a great fisherman, too. And and Luke, you know, he's a sales manager at the time. He has his new business now. It's called Sopo Seafood. You guys might have heard it if you're ever up in South Portland. Give it a shot. That's a really cool market. Yeah. And, and Luke is probably the most knowledgeable person I've ever met in seafood. Yeah, sometimes just seeing numbers and species on a spreadsheet or reading about it doesn't really – when you see it firsthand and kind of get your hands – Dirty, you learn just so much more about the industry and how things are working. It was like our trip to uh, uh, Ideal Fish. Well, not well, Ideal Fish, but when we went to Philadelphia and went to uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's um, was it Samuels and Samuels Sons. and Sons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just walking through that whole distribution and watching the trucks come in and the amount of species and how they're boxed, how they're moved, and all that stuff just opens your eyes to okay. Now when people talk about it, now I have like a memory it, and it, a visual. It really does make a big difference. I remember when I was in college, we had a course where literally every week we went, it was like a field trip every week. Mm-hmm. And we went to a different, either a fish farm or a processor. One week we went to like the Mystic Aquarium, but yeah. we just went to see all different types of aquaculture systems. And like, it just it makes everything so much more clear when you see that stuff in person. So, yeah. but you're a journalist at heart, right? So, yeah. So I was marketing for them and writing. Yeah. I think you have something called species spotlights. You did, you kind of, yeah. I, I, I coined that term years and years ago. <laughs> I used to like pick out one. We do give him royalties. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I do. I pick. I used to pick out one fish, and every week. And this is how old, long, long ago this was. We had a fax program, so we would <laughs> we would uh, have like a three page sell sheet, have like all the prices, and then like a you know a species spotlight, right mm-hmm. in depth about this species, that species, how it got its name, where it's from, what do you can expect from us, yep. that type of thing. Uh, and the chefs really liked it, and we had you know a couple hundred people on this uh, this fax program. <laughs> I really struggled with that fax program because I, it was really hard to use. <laughs> because fax machines never cooperated. <laughs> yeah. That's no. why they don't exist anymore. <laughs> uh, to not be working with faxes anymore is a, is a big step forward in, in my career for sure. But yeah, I learned a lot about just the product, you know, and yeah. like you, you get a, a more appreciation for it when you see it, touch it, smell it every day. And you work with people who are counting on it, counting on you to do your job to sell this fish at a mm-hmm. good price. And yep. I really enjoyed that part of the career, of the, of my career, but you know, I wasn't writing to the level I wanted to right. do, and all of a sudden, a job at Seafood Business Magazine became available to me. Is that that's not? Um, who did we have on? We had on someone that you used to work with, Fiona. We had Fiona on, yeah. yeah. And Fiona was my boss at Seafood Business, and Steve. Yeah, Steve, you work with Steve here. At yeah, Steve G- was on GSA. last week's episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was Fiona, Stephen, and I. We were a team for quite a long time. And, you know, we had a monthly issue. Fiona was had 
could count on us. For six straight years, it was either Stephen or myself writing the cover article for every mm-hmm. issue. So just yeah. we just took turns, and that lasted for about six years. So yeah. yeah, the magazine closed in 2014, and then I finished up. I spent another year at Seafood Source, mm-hmm. and uh, then I found my way here. So you've been doing a lot of different publications in the seafood industry, and you literally brought us here from paper to digital. Um, yeah, that's what they brought me here to do is pretty much put the print product to bed. The Advocate, uh, the original title was the Global Aquaculture Advocate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a very useful publication for GAA over the years, but maybe not the most useful tool for them to get the word out because, mm-hmm. you know, print, it's slow. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, it's expensive. It's expensive. Just to send it places takes time and money, and sometimes it doesn't get there or it gets there two, three months late. Yeah, so and they the were doing issues, of it is, How many issues a year were they doing? One, one a month. One a month? One a month. That's a lot. Yeah. And it is. And, you know, when you, when you consider the fact that it, back in those days, GAA wasn't and never really has been a publishing company. Yeah. Right? It's just something they did. It was like a passion project for George, mm-hmm. his late wife, Susan Chamberlain. She deserves a lot of credit for keeping the advocate going during the early years. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, George. George, you know, George is the one who's been selling GAA, GSA, and everything we offer for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daryl Joria, I mean, I Daryl's the original editor, you know, one of the original editors, and he's still with us. He's still writing, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's... Yeah, he writes he's, most of the Spanish language content, right? He, he does all the translations every week, and yeah. uh, but he's he's really well-connected and gets... He fields all the technical articles that we do. Yeah. He's the editor emeritus, and, uh, you know, he's a really, really fun guy to work with. Yeah. So how have you seen... And this is the big question that's going to drive the whole yeah. conversation yeah. here. How have you seen the media landscape in the seafood industry kind of change and evolve over the last 22 years that you've been doing this? It's a lot faster and it's a lot more in pieces, I guess I'd say. What so, do you mean by that? Well, when I'm a, if I'm a magazine writer and I'm writing a cover article for you know, seafood business back in the day, I, yeah. I would um, start with an idea. I, I used to call it like entrepreneurial journal, journalism. So you start with an idea or a question or an argument or you know, I think this, I want to talk to these people and see if I'm right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you write about, you know, it's like a, it's an in-depth process. You have six, seven sources, you go into other places for data and you weave it all together and you really put something thoughtful together that covers an issue pretty much stem to stern. And you're putting a lo- significant amount of time into that. Yeah, one. they could take a month or more. Yeah. Some of the features that my writers work on now take more more than a month. And it's not necessarily because it's the work takes that long. It's getting a hold of the people that you right. need to get a hold of. Oh, yeah. We know about That's, that. <laughs> yeah, I think you can relate. So, yeah. yeah so, like, nowadays, like, I, well, I guess just to go back, that's how I always would put a story together. That's the way I'm kind of wired. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed writing features. So, it was kind of, you know, it, it don't, you don't want to get into this feeling like, oh, my, this is the record. You know, this, this is the story of record. But right. in a way, you kind of have to approach it that way. You have so to you, approach every Every story like that. Yeah, and, and and it's kind of old school, you know. You a lot of in the old, in the old days, you wouldn't if you had submitted a piece to an editor twenty five years ago, and it had one source in it, you would get returned to you. You right. would not run it. You, I mean, a profile of a business is a different story, but like you know, a story about an issue, like if like, I'm starting, I want to talk about uh, antibiotics or ocean acidification mm-hmm. or anything. I mean, that's that's a complicated subject, and you'd have to like start here, talk to. X amount of sources, weave it all together and make it your own. That process can take some time. Nowadays, when we're seeing news stories come out, you you know, like it's the internet obviously fosters this. You want to get it out fast and mm-hmm. you'll get like 
a piece of the story now and then the next day you might get a little bit more. Right. And so like if there's a story about like say in Canada, it's a very ongoing story with a salmon farming issue there. Yeah. You don't see a lot of balance in the stories necessarily. A lot of, you know, it, it's just it's just the next development and, and it's out. Right. And it's a day-to-day process. So that's, yeah. it's just a different mindset. I yeah, think I think the same things are happening. Yeah. They're just taking in they're not happening all And that probably is due to the internet, right? Not only does it foster that instant gratification, like I need information right now, it also fosters a short attention span, right? Oh, so there's like, never enough. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a constant like feed the beast mentality. Yeah. It's unusual. I think there was like a, an appetite for information 20 years ago that was satisfied through this and that. Now it's just like almost never satisfied. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> is there competition in the journalism world? I mean, we talk a lot about podcasting and how you know we pod share so we would go on another seafood podcast and we won't call it competition we're all kind of just in the same bubble trying to do great things is journalism similar or are you like i need to get the story what you first. see on tv when they when journalism is depicted on yeah, movies just, and tv it it's so like vicious. this cutthroat vicious yeah, yeah uh, that's a good question maybe not the i'm not maybe the best person to ask for that but i would say yes there's, there's a lot of competition yeah. i the responsible seafood advocate as it's now called we don't, I'm not really competing with anyone. But well, you're not uh, trying to break stories. I'm not really, well, I mean, right? we could if we, we have a few times, you know, um, but that's not really the. That's not the goal. That's not, not the, the purpose. primary. Yeah, yeah, that's not the primary purpose. I mean, when you look, and it all boils down to it, it's really just me, uh, my associate editor, Lisa Jackson. And contributors. And Daryl and a, and a network of contributors, yeah. uh, freelance writers. So I don't really have like a news organization or a newsroom. Yeah. Uh, super quick and responsive, yeah. and that, that what that was never what I was asked to do. Yeah. So, right. um, nor what, what the advocate, yeah, what the advocate is, is is we're writing about seafood, yes, and aquaculture, yes, and fisheries, yes, but it's all about we're we're, we're tying in the sustainability picture. What does this mean for the industry and its evolution to becoming more responsible, to be more adoptive of new technologies? Yeah, it's, um, it's less of a priority on the breaking news kind of thing and more of like the explanation of, you know, what it means and what, what is. Yeah. That's, from that's it. our niche. That's our, yeah. we're, and we're, we're, you know, we're a niche within a niche within a, a niche. Probably. That's what seafood's <laughs> all about. <laughs> the whole industry is like that. Right. Right. And so everybody, you know, there's, there is a lot of, there are a number of sites out there and um, f- your audience probably is familiar with several of them. Yeah. I mean, the, there's undercurrent news. They're pretty big in the UK. Um, they break a lot of news. They have good writers over there and in the U.S. Their U.S.-based writers are very good as well. And, um, you know, they have an entrepreneurial spirit behind it. Tom Seaman is the editor, and he started that on his own. Um, it's a pretty impressive operation. You know, Intrafish is the big dog. You know, they've mm-hmm. been around for a long, long time, and they have operations in Norway. So they have access to all that stuff going on in Norway. And, and so they do lots of things really, really well. They have a lot of experience. Their staff is probably the most experienced in the industry. Seafood Source has, you know, a wide geographics coverage. They have mm-hmm. a great writer in China. Mark Godfrey does a really, really good job. That's a great asset to have, somebody who can produce content like he can inside of China. Yeah. Um, and a lot of their content's free. So um, they do a lot of things really, really well. So what is the one thing that we've done with The Advocate that we've kind of gone back and forth? And this is just, I'm just asking this question so that people who maybe don't kind of understand how all of this side of things works, the kind of behind the scenes, of this stuff works. One thing that we've done is is we've put restrictions on the advocate and then we've opened it up to everybody and we've kind of gone back and forth with a couple of those. Can you just kind of explain some of the decisions that go behind that the stuff that goes into some of those decisions? 
for like access because like you said some of the content on these other websites are free some are subscription based and you have to pay for some or you know there's a lot of different kind of models and we've played around with a couple of different ones so right. can you kind of talk about kind of best practices for that and what what goes into those decisions it all depends on what you want so like what what are you what do you want your content to do do you want it to draw people in to convert them into a sales opportunity or a membership opportunity which is kind of what we used to think mm-hmm. uh, the advocate was uh, gated for the first few years that it was online so you could see the headlines but if you wanted to read the story you had to yeah. and it was free <laughs> it's just i mean it wasn't right, like right. It, we were asking for money we we're just asking for you had to opt in yeah, you had basically. to. Well, you had to opt in. You had to give us your email address, yeah. basically. So we wanted to know who was reading. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, let's say you're not doing a lot with that data, then maybe you're you're the better place to just get more traffic, and to, and to have a bigger audience, more impact, mm-hmm. more reach. All editors and writers love those words. We right, want to. Yeah, yeah. We want to hear. Uh, we want to hear things about expanding audiences and things like that. That I, I that was my desire from the beginning and when i finally convinced you know uh, that that was the direction we should be going in mm-hmm. um you know you saw i mean you were privy to some of the reports right, that yeah, i was yeah. putting out a mm-hmm. few years ago that went you know traffic has increased like fivefold yeah. as a result in just a few months so we i thought that was a better move for us because it put us in a in just in more people's eyeballs mm-hmm. yeah and and like using it less as a tool for the organization and more as a resource for mm. The, the people in the industry that need the information, right? Yeah. And then that's just that's just over the years you find your place. Yeah. Right. And the yeah. news does that, the features do that, but also the stuff the work that Daryl does uh helps that as well. Because if you you know if you if you read every week and you look at the stuff that Daryl's coming up with and you were to look and trace to find the original scientific publication, you would have to be a member or have you know a subscription to you know x amount of scientific journals and that can get really expensive or hard to manage oh, yeah. a little unwieldy mm-hmm. it's kind of like we we the advocates a bit of a library we've always tried to treat it like hey come visit our library um if you want to dig deeper you can leave the library and look at the original sources but mm-hmm. we definitely i think that's a plus that's a lot of those a lot of the the key information from those studies is in 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 the advocate article yeah i think it definitely stands out a lot from what people would typically like if you say oh, I'm a journalist, you know, the typical kind of idea that they would have about not so much evergreen content, but more news based, you know, here and now. And it, it the advocate does definitely stand up from that a little bit. Pretty much everything we do it, it was is evergreen or the news the news feed is a new feature that we introduced last yeah. year. Um, and that's just to get more people in, just more right, hooks. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that is one of the things that we pride ourselves on is, is providing a really full picture, a good, a good jumping off point. If, mm-hmm. if that's, maybe that's the only place people come for information. If they do that, we want it to be something that they can trust. Yeah. We do get a lot of passers by, you know, just kind of stopping in. <laughs> um, I don't know if they're repeat, you know, they, if, if they come back to read something else, but if they are only there for one visit, I want them to have the a good impression. Victims of clickbait. clickbait article titles right (laughs) yeah but i think we always talk on the show about how the industry is in a vacuum so as we produce these podcasts these articles these magazine articles they're just read within the industry but i think what we're trying to do is break out of that that cyclone of everyone's just circling around in the industry you know patting each other's back it's like okay we have this information there's a lot of cool things happening so by putting it on the website being able to search for it and find, I think 
by able to track passer buyers that maybe are just not in the vacuum that are kind of dabbling in the space, that's what you want to see. And hopefully over time, mm-hmm. those passer buyers become more frequent. I want to know in, from your opinion. So, you know, seafood industry has a lot of events. We have a lot of get togethers. We have a lot of things happening and everybody approaches those differently. As a journalist, how do you kind of see what you do? How do, how do you fit into the industry as a whole? Do you feel like you're kind of from the outside looking in and then reporting out? Or is it, do you feel a little more directly involved than, I mean, I don't really know like how to phrase this question, but I'm curious how, as a journalist, you approach all of these different events and these, you know, these news items that are kind of swirling around in the industry. Like, where does your brain approach those topics? Okay, so I'll harken back to my old boss, Fiona. Yeah. I remember one of the earlier drafts I submitted to her, I was just starting out. And I mentioned something about, I mean, I might have used the word our industry or my industry. And she immediately was like, you're not in the seafood industry. You're in the journalism. You, you're a journalist covering yeah. the seafood industry. So it, it kind of took me by surprise a little bit because I was like, oh, I thought I was maybe supposed to write that way. But it was the best piece of, of advice I'd gotten at that point in my career it was really like, hey, you're 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 an observer. Mm-hmm. You're there. This industry is counting on you to bring that perspective. You know, they, yeah. if this listen, like seafood can be a bit of an echo chamber. Okay, like there's a lot of That's people. It. That's the vacuum. <laughs> yeah, people talking to the same people, same voices, same years. Mm-hmm. So it, it happens a lot, and you know, it, it's it, we need to break out of that a little bit. I think the stories the seafood has to tell are accessible to other people. And that uh, to get back to your other question, like that's that was kind of our in our our thinking. There's a lot of great stories to tell. We're telling good stories. More people need to see them. There's mm-hmm. no reason, and I, and that was one what was one of Wally's points was, why are we preventing people from seeing this work? Mm-hmm. Right. And then once he once he said that, I knew that I'd won. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, he, and he was a CEO at that point. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so yeah, you pretty much confirmed. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd just like to mention Wally too. I know we, Wally's one of the biggest reasons why I came here. You know, Steve is my friend. We've been working together for, we went to college together. We've known, known Steve for a quarter century. But, you know, Wally, having Wally here, and, you know, like I, everybody knew Wally. When I was writing for Seafood Business, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was considered like, you know, the guy, you know, the guy you go to. The, right, yeah. The, if you want to take the temperature of, the industry is he's one of the calls you need to make. And you know, I'd spoke to him in my previous capacity and I spoke to George Chamberlain too. And I had a lot of respect for these guys. Mm-hmm. So when I came here, I was like, I know who I came to work for. Yeah, yeah. And so that was a huge selling point for me was having Wally here. And, uh, you know, I really respect and really enjoyed the time that we got to spend with him. And, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with him. We got <laughs> to spend a lot of one-on-one time with him. Well, because when you started, it was <laughs> not long before I started, maybe like a year. Two months. No, it was oh, no, a couple months. months. Yeah. yeah just... And, uh, I mean, there were like five people in the office. <laughs> was, yeah, we were crammed in there. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah. We, I remember we... when I started, they said, I, I came from research science, biological research. So, I had not been in seafood. And so, when I started, they they introduced me to or they introduced Wally before I met him, and they said if there was a Mount Rushmore for seafood, Wally's face would be on it. That's how I was. And then it was like, go talk to him before your in- interview. So that was a great way to set that up. But I got to say, my interview with Wally is probably the easiest interview oh, yeah. I ever did because me too. he never asked me a typical interview question. He wanted to know 
about my dad. He wants to know like what my dad did and what, how I grew up. And hmm. it was really interesting, you know, and it, hmm. I got to say, he kind of looks like my dad a little bit. So <laughs> I felt like I was talking to my pops for a second there. But, uh, you know, I just had, I love the way he brought me in. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, probably the best boss we've all ever had, you know. He was yeah, all really just so. really love Wally and wish him well in his, in his retirement. I think yeah. he's actually, actually retired now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the longest he's gone. <laughs> I, uh, we, this is probably the longest I've gone without seeing Wally in a, in a few years. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's out on his boat down in Rhode Island. He deserves it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. So where where do we see things going regarding media? And I and I don't just mean, I mean, when I say media, I primarily <laughs> mean like the type of media that you're involved in because that's what you know, yeah. right? Journalism. But journalism has evolved from just writing print magazines to a lot of different, I mean, you have your hands in everything that we do with marketing and outreach here at GSA. So right. where do you... Where do you see things going in media in the seafood industry? I don't want to say our industry now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think as a, as a journalist, uh, my advice is if you're young, you need to very broaden your skills and just be ready to start contributing to other areas mm-hmm. of whatever organization you're working in. I used to chafe at that. I was like, I'm here to write. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that's, you know, you're part of a team here. Um, everyone is. You have to kind of... You, you have to you're asked to do things that maybe don't fit into your job description at all if you mm-hmm. were to look at it you know on the screen you probably half the things I do aren't on there right, <laughs> so right. I think we all you the three of us especially because we're all content guys and yeah yep. we, we, we were get it done type of guys too yeah we're asked to do a lot of things and it's it's important to like embrace that I think yeah I mean I'm looking at um the landscape of seafood journalism right now, um, you know, I, I I wondered if there was room for everybody, you know, uh, but there, there clearly is. And there's clearly just a, a lot of interest in this industry. I think that's a really a great spot for us to be in. You know, you look at like the level of investment activity coming into mm-hmm. agriculture, especially. Yeah. But, um, you know, we've been talking about this a lot in, in our coverage. Um, that's a huge change from years ago. I mean, there's aquaculture was seemingly uninvestable right yeah not long ago like when i remember in the early days when i was writing about aquaculture it was you know it was really divisive in certain circles mm-hmm. i think the the acceptance of that and when there's no guarantee you stay away from the controversial fields right yeah. i mean like when like as an investor there's no guarantee that you know you, what you're, you're going to be able to get everything back if there's something that's kind of controversial, you kind of just stay away unless you know it's a, a, a win. I think there's still a lot of unknowns with aquaculture, but I just there think is, that there's think like feel more... folks are more willing to take exactly. that risk. I think yeah. that it's been de-risked enough that I, in the embrace of technology has allowed that de-risking. And I think that's what's the, the open door mm-hmm. for a lot of folks now is like, okay, this is an industry that's young, growing, and not stuck in its ways. Yeah, yeah, and that's something we talk about all the time is yep. the kind of like openness in the uh, that the industry has to um, innovation and trying new ideas like, hey, this is something that we should try because it could help solve this problem. And they're just like, yes, let's do it. That's, that's, let's figure that's it out. what the advocate's all about. That's yeah. all we really, that's what I really want to be writing about yeah. the most. All right. Um, well, before we kind of wrap things up, it, I want to hear some fun stories that you have because whenever we have someone that's been in the industry for a while, it's nice to, it's nice to share some stories. Um, and 
I've heard some stories. I've experienced some stories with you, and we just, you know, I think, yeah. uh, I think our listeners would appreciate, you know, what what's life as a journalist like in the seafood industry uh, besides. <laughs> Going to events and eating some bad shellfish and getting sick for a few days. I, I, I told you that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was probably the the worst thing that happened to me when um, was I, I visited Monterey. Oh, the, the listeners might get a kick out of this, but I visited Monterey. Was it four years ago? Probably it was either three or four years was ago. Was it that long ago? Yeah, it had to be. And uh, yeah, I, I ate some bad shellfish or something and uh, got really 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 sick i almost didn't make it back like i, mi- I almost missed my flight they had, I, get, I was wow. brought to the hospital <laughs> yeah no, yeah yeah that was and uh i'll never forget sally and uh carolyn gammon they 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 met me at the hospital and waited me for me for hours and that was a that was quite an experience, but yeah, so it seems like bad things kind of follow me sometimes <laughs> <laughs> not to that, mention being in ecuador in Jamie's uh, keyboard broke, and as a journalist, that's a bad thing to happen. Yeah. And so, because we were in Ecuador, the only keyboard he could get had Spanish keys on it. So uh, that was that was a, that was interesting from me looking on the outside in. But for you, I'm sure it was very frustrating. But yeah, you still so have the keyboard, right? I still have it in my desk. Oh, yeah, that's funny. We, out, we yeah. had the keyboard we just, conversation like two days ago. <laughs> we were just talking about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so the problem with that was like the the computer worked fine, but I just like, the keys on the actual laptop they We're just stopped working. working. Yeah, yeah. So, so like if I plug this thing in and actually I couldn't even enter my password to, to get into oh, the, you know what I mean? yeah. So I had to plug this thing in and figure out how to type on the <laughs> Spanish keyboard, and uh, that was a stressful experience. <laughs> that was the first time Jamie wrote a Spanish article. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. "Daryl, take this week off." Yeah, <laughs> I, I got this. <laughs> No, yeah, like, so like you gotta you gotta be like I mean to travel in this job you 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 gotta plan you gotta be yeah. like you gotta be neat and organized you have to have command of a number of different types of technologies some kind of rudimentary mm-hmm. um, and just be quick with notes and you know lighter on your feet and be a quick thinker events you mentioned events I have t- attended many 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 events yeah. including uh, all the goals for the past seven or eight years and South by um, Southwest. Yeah, South by Southwest. Uh, I was a speaker there. Been to the North Atlantic Seafood Forum a number of times. Of course, the Boston Seafood Show. All these different events, and mm-hmm. yeah, to to extract useful information out of those things, um, you just gotta have an open mind, an open notebook, and you know, uh, hopefully, a lot of caffeine in your system. <laughs> so, if you were to narrow it down, you know, from what I'm what I've gathered from the conversation, right? Like you you started with. What was the type of journalism that where you ask a question, then you go and find your your answers? Oh, uh, well, yeah, entrepreneurial. I call it entrepreneurial. Okay. Yeah, I knew you had a, a a phrase for how you um, pinpoint that type of journalism. <clears throat> you go to events and you report on the things. Do you have a section or that you like the most that you're doing? Do you do you enjoy being at your desk and kind of looking at what's coming out and making those calls and doing those interviews? Do you like reporting at events a little bit more or kind of just sitting back and saying, hey, what's happening and what 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 have I not written about in a, in, in a while that is worthy of a story? Like what is what's your passion in that space? Well, nothing replaces getting out there and live events, covering things. I'm not saying that's the best stuff that I'll produce. Yeah. But that's where you get a lot of the best ideas mm-hmm. for down the road. A lot of times when I go to an event now – 
I, I used to do like the running blog thing and mm-hmm. now I'm just looking for ideas that yeah. I can cover later or assign to folks. Actually, that's a smart approach. Yeah. You and and really, and since we're not like, how you know, we're not in a news race with anyone. Yep. So uh, I have the luxury of doing that. I, I, I have stepped into more of an editor role the last three or four years and mm-hmm. like, you don't see my byline out there quite as much because, but every story that we do, I, I'm assigning it. Um, yeah. Uh, Except for Bonnie Waycott, she's like my. Uh, she's got so much, so many amazing ideas. Mm-hmm. Like she's one of the, you know, more more creative writers that we've that I've had the chance to work with over the years. Mm-hmm. She's got her finger on the pulse in in Japan. Speaks yeah. J- Japanese pretty pretty well. That's so helpful. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I love working with folks from all over the world. We're all, if anyone's out there listening to, we're looking for. Uh, writers in India and um, the Southern Hemisphere, so South America would be yeah. two places where I'd love to have a, a new contributor. But that's probably my favorite part of it is scouring the internet and the news every day and looking out there and seeing, you know, okay, I, I'll see a news story like on all the spots, on all the uh, trade mm-hmm. pubs that I mentioned. Yep. And maybe it's not really something that fits in the news feed or I'm late to the game because I didn't work this weekend, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's like, do I put it up as news? But I, oftentimes I'll, I'll find uh, things that kind of slip through the cracks, um, like a, a, a name or a company is just kind of mentioned in a story and then I'll look into them and then we'll find, that, well, there's a really story, interesting story. Like doing a too. spinoff. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm constantly looking for that. Uh, new, you know, you will see some of the, the companies uh, and ideas and things on our pages that you'll find other places. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're going to find, you know, everything on our, our site is original reporting. I'm pretty proud of that. And it has yeah, been, sure. it's been, you know, the last seven years have been uh, pretty steady. Yeah, you get the yeah. seven-year anniversary is coming right up. There's uh, no the, lack the, of content. October, 1st of October. 1st of October yeah. is when you started? That's, well, that's when we we published the oh, Advocate oh. website, the, the new idea that right. Steve and I came up with. Few backlog year a few years ago, right? So any publication that was in print form was digitalized, right? And yeah. so there is a backlog of a lot of. I just there's so many print copies in content. our office, yeah. And yeah. There's just so <laughs> much content that goes back. I didn't yeah, realize are those, it was are those printed copies going to be worth anything. Like, are we going to should we hold on to those and sell them on eBay? In a few I, years? I think they're <laughs> worth something to us. So and, and, and they're definitely yeah. worth something to some of the authors of the articles. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't really have any to share uh there's not enough you know we, we need to keep them for posterity and but yeah i think if you go over the shelf you might find 10 of one issue but mm-hmm. sometimes you only find one and that's a pretty precious copy because yeah. i don't know yep. if they any exist anywhere else right yeah, yeah um yeah so that the advocate started in 98 as a little pamphlet um and it ceased publication at the end of 2015 just a few months after i after i started and we formulated a plan to kind of take some of the things that the, the magazine did really well and things that we thought would translate well online and uh, been pretty much following that same model ever since yeah. you know a couple of technical articles from Daryl every week a couple you know features and yeah it's been and now it's, the, an, it's and an interesting now the news, fit some uh, people thought it was a, a weird pairing but I think yeah. it, it works because you know aquaculture I think to a lot of people People was inaccessible. It was a hard maybe didn't really know, and that's that's right. kind of the whole idea. We wanted to make it really, really accessible. Mm-hmm. And now that we're covering more than just aquaculture, you know, we're 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 going through a bit of a learning phase ourselves. 
Um, you know, I've covered seafood for 20 years, but, you know, having stepped out and just only covered aquaculture for, you know, six straight years, yeah, you know, yep. it was it was a bit of a change. You need to re-engage. Yeah, you had to, yeah I had to re-engage, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and we have a big opportunity at Gold this year to kind of show up what we've learned over the past year. And the, yeah, the it's going to be exciting. That, yeah, I think so. I think you know, the goal is going to be really, really good. Uh, Seattle's a great town, great seafood town. And uh, we just landed Ray Hilborn, professor at the University of Washington, is one of our speakers. I think he'll um, a lot of the folks will want to hear from him. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, you know, lots of the same great information we've always had at Goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's, it'll be more of a mix now. Yeah. So then lastly, what is, uh, what do you see on the horizon for yourself or like personal career? Is there anything that you'd like to do in the future or are you just kind of living in the here and now? Right I'm now? living in the here and now right now. I think mean, COVID kind of taught, taught us all to just be a little bit more appreciative of That's where true. we are and what we have. I think that was the thing I got the most out of that year and a half at home was, wow, I'm lucky to be able to do what I'm what I've always been doing and I can still do it. And, yep. uh, you know, I was, I was really grateful for the way that we handled that. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask actually, did you find yourself, was it more difficult because you're not able to like go to the events and be networking with people? Was it more difficult to find content to write about or did the results of the pandemic supply you with a whole lot more to write about? I think <laughs> that's fascinating that's question, kind yeah. of something that we ran into. It's like, we started doing a lot of episodes about, how different companies and different people were kind of adjusting because of COVID. And so it actually supplied us with a whole lot of stuff to talk about on the podcast. So did did you see something similar? Yeah. See, like I think the big impacts of COVID were economic and we don't really cover the markets and Mm -hmm. prices and things like that the way other trade pubs do. But you just said it, the adaptation, how do we work remotely? How do we work uh, with social distancing, you know, right, and right. how do we, you know, how how do we do this? And some of the our, our coverage in those early months was really about that. How is technology filling that gap? How yep. is mm-hmm. it making it more possible? We all had to go through that. Yeah, you know, if we, uh, and now there's a record, like year by year, of like the learning curve. You can see what what was learned. It's fascinating. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not really looking. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm happy where I'm I like I like I love what we do here at GSA, and um, I think we we do it well and. The responsible seafood advocate is I'm proud of it and I'm really happy with what we've been able to do for the first seven years of being online and hopefully many more yeah yeah for sure so if anybody wants to get involved with the advocate maybe they want to be a contributing writer or they just want to talk to you about anything regarding journalism or any anything advocate uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you yeah, we have a editor at globalseafood.org is a good email address. Uh, I check it pretty regularly and uh, goes right to me. So if you're interested in contributing, um, or just have questions about an article you can't find online. <laughs> I get a lot of those. Like, yeah, yeah. how do I find this article from 1999? I'm yeah. like, Ooh, that might be a tough one. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, no, come like, into the office I, and search I, the I old. Will, <laughs> I will say that if you are a reader and you reach out with a question, I will respond. And I always do. And uh, some of the answers I don't necessarily have, or but I'll steer you in to a person mm-hmm. who might be able to help. Yeah, you're really good at that. When I have questions, it doesn't matter what the topic is. You're like, oh, you know, well, four years ago, uh, <laughs> I did that, and then the you do a quick search. And you're like, oh, here it is. I'm going to send it to you. I mean, the, the knowledge in your head, like you are, you are li- living the advocate in, in your head. I just, I, I, that's how I know that you have such a passion for it because you just, you know it inside out. So 
I can vouch for everything he just said that if you do have a question, <laughs> he will answer it for you. Do you have like one story that stands out amongst all the ones that you've done in your career? Is there like one thing that you just will never forget? Yeah. Uh, so if you are on the advocate, if you just search the word Haiti, we don't have a lot of content on Haiti. Okay. And one of the reasons is because there's not a lot of fish in Haiti. Mm-hmm. They really struggle. There's their inland fisheries are fairly non-existent. They've got a, you know they're they're living through a very difficult situation. There's a lot of poverty. There's a mm-hmm. lot of political strife there. And I found a nugget gem of a story a few years ago. So if you go on the Advocate and look at Haiti's Hatchery of Hope, it's a it's probably the best story I ever wrote. Really really happy with how that turned out. It's it's this really great story. This uh, this man who worked for uh, Regal Springs Tilapia for many many years helped build their hatchery network and really was one of the pioneers, founders of the company. And um, he was now retired and wanted to help. He just wanted to help use his skills, feed people, feed the world. Mm-hmm. And he just saw that, um, you know, aid, not always the easiest solution. A lot of it gets wasted. A lot of it gets misappropriated. Right. It's There's corruption in, in, in Haiti. It's hard to get the aid where it needs to go. Yeah. Action, so, but action, action over aid. <laughs> action over aid for 100%. So what he, the story I told was all about he and uh, a few network, his network of people that he trusts down there and to work for uh, one with the foundation to, to establish a, a tilapia hatchery in, in, in Haiti with the idea of creating a farm network or, you know, selling it to multiple growers and um, it's a, it's been, a, it was a huge success story. But I'll never forget talking to one of the customers of the farm. He was a, he's a father, he's a priest, and he's written about in the New York Times for his selfless work, all the things he's done for the dis- disadvantaged children who live there. Speaking to him was probably the most unforgettable interview of my entire life. As he was speaking to me, he was like, "James, I can smell burning tires, and you know, there's bullets being you know whizzing by every now and then." And it was like in the middle of another political protest at the rising price of fuel, and it was just—it's a difficult place to live. And yeah, he has taken yeah. it; he took it on with such a plume, and just a, an amazing man. Um, I'll never forget that interview. And I really think that I really believed in the idea, like you know, hey, mm-hmm. you know, you—I you even quoted. A, Someone in the story of saying, you know, that you know the whole story about, you know, teach a man to fish. You yeah, know, yeah. well, teach a man to grow fish, mm-hmm. and you could actually have jobs and stability and uh, food security for years to come through this type of work. That was that was probably my my favorite story. I'm really glad I asked that question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was great, uh, and I'm, I'll be sure to, to link to that story in the Please show. Please do. Yeah, yeah sure. it was uh, I'm very very proud of it. Yeah, great. Well, we'll make sure we get it out there as much Thank as you. possible. Is there anything else that you want to say or get out there while you have the platform? For now, I mean, I'm sure you'll be back. <laughs> and I talk <laughs> no, to you every I'd day. No, I love to so. come back. Yeah, <laughs> no, I do talk every day. Um, no, you know, I'm really, really happy to be on the show for the first time. Um, a long-time listener. Um, it's hard for me. I'm not a big podcast guy. I don't really like the way my voice sounds. But <laughs> if you guys will have me back, I'd love to have, come back. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I've got some ideas about where I want to see the advocate. Um, nothing that they're ready for public consumption yet. But mm-hmm. uh, there could be like a marriage between the advocate and the academia. So, Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Leave it I think, with I, think dot, I, dot, I, dot. I like to bring us our our, our what we do a little bit closer. Yeah, I think it's I think it's necessary and inevitable. So um, <laughs> there's a lot more things that are happening that are the same than different. And now that we're just starting, we've always 
kind of known, but it's sitting down and really figuring out what the process is and, and figuring out how there's alignment. I mean, you write stories and we're interviewing guests and those guests you interviewed, you know what I mean? There's so much crisscross. Yeah, we've recently seen kind of the benefits of when that, it, it was kind of serendipitous that everything kind of matched up recently with with a, a topic that we did. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really helped everything kind of like all grow and explode at the same time. So yeah, I think we're definitely... Yeah, That's I had to leave you I guys alone to. though for the first couple of years. I hope you know that because I needed you guys to like get your wings and. Oh, I thought it was because we were untouchable. No, no, <laughs> that's, <laughs> no. that's what it is now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and but I, like, too. yeah, you know, remember, you remember Sean one one of the early days. Uh, you were we were sitting down. You were just getting this thing. You got approval, mm-hmm. and I was like, "What did I tell you?" I was like, "Build a wall around it." Yeah. Like no, make, no, you gave me some very sage advice. Yes, this is your product now. I felt like I was being like yeah. Like I was being welcomed into uh, into the journalism world. <laughs> yeah, it was important. So you, you you've taken ownership of it, and it's really a nice product. It's fun to fun to finally be a part of it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. So thanks, thanks for joining here. Yeah. Folks, that was our conversation with James Wright, the editor of The Advocate magazine here at GSA. I hope you learned something. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact us for any reason, fill out our online form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. And remember to take a couple minutes and leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out and we really appreciate everybody who has taken the time to do that already. Thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time. Ciao.